Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team it's drive time now welcome to tribe talk on the cleveland indians radio network tribe talk is brought to you by progressive helping indians fans save hundreds on car insurance everyone welcome to tribe talk jim rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from progressive field downtown cleveland great to have you with us for baseball talk on the radio coming up a little bit later on in our show another look back at the 2019 season our weekly game of the week segment and this time we take a look back at a night in detroit in mid-june a season highlight in an up and down season for tribe outfielder jake bowers who hit for the cycle on this night. And we'll hear some of the highlights and his thoughts on that historic night for Bowers coming up a little bit later on in our show. We'll also hear from Indians Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio. He was at the annual Act of Valor Awards dinner in Washington, D.C. last week. And it is always a great honor for the players involved as they recognize great contributions to the game of baseball and also service to our country. And when you talk about Bob Feller and service to the country, Active Valor Award uh, couldn't be more aptly named. And we'll check in with Bobby D., who was on the ground in Washington for that dinner and uh, has some great perspective on that as well. First off, though, some news and notes from the week gone by. The Indians cleaning things up in terms of their 40-man roster. They have to get that squared away before they head to the winter meetings as the Rule 5 draft will be in effect, and they want to make sure they have the right players protected so they ensure that their top prospects are still in the organization. Also, some depth issues, too, that, that they want to make sure they have squared away. So they needed to select the contracts of outfielder Daniel Johnson and left-handed pitcher Scott Moss from AAA Columbus and also pick up the contract of right-handed pitcher Tristan McKenzie, a perennial prospect who's had injury issues, and he was on the single-A Lynchburg roster. So all of them had to be added to the 40-man roster to be protected now from that Rule 5 draft. 
to make room. They did have two open spots, but you heard me mention three different players. Right-handed pitcher Nick Goody, who had been a, a fairly solid mainstay for the Indians in their bullpen, he's been designated for assignment. And that's one of those situations where he comes up on arbitration and uh, some other aspects to it. And uh, the Indians uh, just felt that it was time to designate him for assignment and see where it goes from there. But very likely, Nick Goody no longer with the Cleveland Indians organization. So uh, a pretty good relief pitcher will be out on the open market, but the Indians felt that they needed to protect some others, and they obviously have some confidence in others who are in the system to help out in the bullpen. And, of course, there will be some transactions over the course of the next several months to make sure that that bullpen is good to go for the start of the season. So that's just some of the things going on news and notes-wise. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll hear from Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio as he talks about last week's Bob Feller Act of Valor Awards in Washington, D.C. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Here we go. Feller starts that wind-up. Here's the pitch for the second strike. Here's the pitch. Swings on a low pass ball for strike three. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse joined by Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio as we come to you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Bobby D., I know there are certain events on your calendar yearly that stand out a little bit more than most. And the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award Ceremony is a highlight every year. You were down in Washington, D.C., last week at the U.S. Navy Memorial for this year's event. And uh, I know every year it kind of, boy, if you have any patriotic feelings whatsoever, this one really tugs at those, doesn't it? It sure does. Uh, uh, fortunate to be a part of the Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation, a founding board member, um, our VP of Ballpark Operations, Jim Folk, and his wife, Sue, and Penny and I get to uh, attend the Bob Feller Act of Valor uh, awards ceremonies, as you mentioned, at the U.S. Navy Memorial every year. I'm honored to, to be the master of ceremonies for that event. Uh, our seventh, uh, we just concluded. It's amazing that we've uh, uh, come this far um, in seven years uh, honoring those who support our servicemen and service women. It's a very unique intersection of baseball in the U.S. Navy, and uh, we just, uh, yeah, the sense of pride uh, that you get from being among that group uh, and having baseball be part of the theme is something really fun for the military personnel, and we obviously in turn are in awe of their uh, incredible service to our country. Those honored, there's five every year, baseball, and then also personnel from the military academies and uh, explain who this year's were and, and we'll get in in depth on uh, the two baseball nominees and, and award winners but uh, the list is pretty impressive again yeah the major awards uh, we actually included uh, one additional one so there's six um, we do a military children's scholarship uh, we encourage children of the military to write an essay on one of the 37 Hall of Famers who um, were partic who participated in World War II, and why that specific person? That why did they choose that person, and what did they learn from one of those 37 Hall of Famers who 
um, were involved in World War II. What lessons did they learn from that gentleman? This year it was a, a young lady, 13-year-old, uh, out of Swansboro, North Carolina, Mia Owen. What a terrific young lady. Um, read part of her essay to everybody. Um, she uh, uh, focused on uh, uh, a Chicago White Sox pitcher that pitched for 22 years uh, in the big leagues. And um, uh, her uh, essay just uh, grabbed your heart. Uh, um, we also do peer-to-peer member uh, mentorship groups, two junior peer-to-peer mentorship groups. This is a group of sailors about 18 to to 24 years old that work to uh, with one another to make sure that uh, uh, the new sailors are uh, doing the right thing. They're being responsible. Uh, they're staying away from those destructive decisions. Um, so we want to honor the young men and women of the U.S. Navy who uh, are part of that member mentorship program. We uh, also honor United States Marine non-commissioned uh, officer with the uh, Jerry Coleman Award. Uh, the U.S. Marines, Jerry Coleman, was the only uh, Major League Baseball player who flew. He was an airplane pilot. Uh, in addition to being a really good baseball player and a Hall of Fame broadcaster, um, he also flew in the Korean War. Um, he was the only one to, uh, to fly in two world wars. So uh, we honor Jerry's uh, legacy with uh, that award. And then we have three awards that uh, really speak to the things that Bob Feller held dear. And that was being a professional baseball player, being a member of the Hall of Fame, and most importantly, uh, earning the rate of chief petty officer aboard the U.S. Alabama the USS Alabama for the U.S. Navy. And this year we honored uh, Randy Johnson as our Hall of Fame uh, gentleman. We uh, honored uh, Ian Kennedy of the Kansas City Royals as the current player and uh, um, our honoree as the chief uh, petty officer uh, was uh, logistics specialist Chief uh, Hiro Giddy. Um, just a remarkable group of people. Um, a lot of brass, Rosie, a lot of brass in the audience, a lot of rear admirals. The Undersecretary of the Navy, the Honorable Thomas B. Modley, who's from Shaker Heights High School, um, was uh, the one who presented uh, Ian Kennedy with his award. Uh, a very, very uh, remarkable evening, and it just gets better and better. I trust your shoes were shined up to, so you'd fit in. That it, it's hard to fall or easy to fall behind. I would think. You don't want to see my uh, reflection in my <laughs> shoes. See my what's in the mirror. But uh, uh, yeah, everybody. You know, one of the cool things about it. Uh, we also invite the U.S. Uh, Naval Academy baseball team every year, and and they come about fifteen, eighteen strong with. Uh, uh, Coach Costa Kopolis, uh, uh, pretty good program, the Navy baseball team. And uh, they earned their 2000th win. Um, they won the Patriot League regular season again, which I think is like the fifth year in a row that they've done that. So they have a nice program. This year, Randy Johnson, 
spent about 20 minutes off to the side with the entire baseball team, and these kids just couldn't have been more enthralled at just peppering Randy Johnson with questions um, that, uh, again, it just makes you feel good because, again, it's a very unique intersection uh, of baseball and the U.S. Navy, and that really speaks to it uh, when the players get to interact with either a Hall of Famer or a current big leaguer. Let's stay on Randy Johnson. And during his career, I think there were different points in time where uh, he had a kind of a love-hate relationship with, with the press and and was so locked in on what he was doing, it may be hard to get to know, but it seems post-playing career for him, it's a different guy. And, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. But uh, from the, the standpoint of being nominated for this award, what has he done off the field since he was playing to put himself in contention for this? He has made more than 40, nearly 50 visits around the world on behalf of the USO. Not many people realize uh, the deep feelings Randy Johnson has in support of our servicemen and service women. He's a remarkable, he actually called out uh, the USO in his uh, Hall of Fame induction speech because it means so much to him to show our servicemen and servicewomen that uh, there are people that stand behind them and are truly appreciative of of what they um, are doing to uh, um, you know preserve our freedoms and, and our way of life around the world. Uh, Randy talked about family members who were in the military where this um, began from the heart. Uh, his comments at the event, no notes, just all from the heart, um, just riveting. Uh, you could tell that he was truly um, impressed with uh, the evening itself. And afterwards, is. Uh, and again, it was last Thursday, so we went back to the hotel bar and we were watching Thursday night football, which happened to be the Browns against the Steelers. And as we're sitting there with a group of us, Ian Kennedy, his wife, Allison, who happened to be a, a basketball player at USC, um, where they met, um, just wonderful people. A uh, number of rear admirals came back to the hotel and we're all sitting there watching the game and Randy turned to me and he says you know I've been to many many banquets and they're all very fun he goes but I hope you can understand when I say this one was important and that's all we needed to hear that uh, you know he felt really good uh, about what uh, uh, our organization the Bob Feller Active Valor Foundation is all about and that uh, we took the time to honor him for all the things that he's done. Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio <laughs> joining us back from the Active Valor Award Ceremony down in Washington, D.C. last week. And uh, we'll finish up with Ian Kennedy, the, the current major leaguer who was honored on the field this year. Uh, you heard from a lot of the Kansas City Royals people when they played the Indians about how unselfish he was. A career starter who was asked to be a closer this year and embraced it and did a really nice job out of their bullpen. Uh, but not an easy transition, and, and you could say selfless on his part, 
Uh, and maybe that ties into to what he's been doing for the military. Well, he was kidding me after the event because when I introduced him, I said one of the uh, top relievers in baseball, 30-plus saves in, in 2019, and he comes up to me afterward. He goes, Allison and I looked at each other. I go, well, I guess I am a reliever because it was the first time he'd been a starter his whole life. He goes, but just hearing that seems very odd. What a wonderfully nice uh, couple um, remarkable. They had their six-week-old with them in D.C., uh, but they have six children under the age of six. So they, their family is growing and growing. Uh, so I had fun talking hoops with Allison. Again, her being a, a, a player for USC, actually played five years uh, there um, as she got redshirted her uh, retroactively her freshman year and uh, got to play her fifth season so she was able to get her master's degree um, while she was playing. Just a wonderful couple. Uh, the things that uh, Ian Kennedy has done, um, he treats veterans uh, to um, the ballpark uh, pregame, watching BP, the meet and greets with other players, you know, provide seats and food and beverage and things of that nature. Also makes a, a tremendous number of visits um, to uh, uh, the VA um, through the Warriors Ascent program. They have a number of Air Force bases, obviously, in the Kansas City area, and, and he's always there helping the, the children of uh, um, those stationed at those Air, Air Force bases playing Little League uh, doing a little soccer, doing whatever uh, athletic thing um, that they can connect with uh, the families of the military. Uh, he did this when he was with the San Diego Padres, um, you know, doing the, the things necessary to, again, just show appreciation for our servicemen and service women. He joins uh, a pretty remarkable group of people, Justin Verlander, um, Nick Swisher, uh, Jonathan Lucroy, um, Darren O'Day, Sean Doolittle, who got a rousing ovation from the crowd in Washington, D.C., being a part of the 2019 World Series champion, um, Washington Nationals. So um, we had, Rosie, just a remarkable evening um, again that unique intersection of baseball and uh, the United States Navy uh, honoring the greatest name in Indians franchise history, Mr. Bob Feller. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. Well, Bobby D., thanks for sharing and, and giving us some insight into the event. Always great to see you. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me, Rosie. That's Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio. Stay tuned. More to come as we continue with Tribe Talk after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Don't forget, many ways to pick up our show each week, including the Indians Radio Network. The show usually airs late Saturday afternoon, so check your local listings for uh, the time on your local Indians Radio Network affiliate stations, but usually Saturday 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, somewhere in that neighborhood. You can also pick up our show online at indians.com. All the archived editions are there as well. And you can listen to it in podcast form whenever you like as it is available for download 
on Apple iTunes and also the iHeartRadio app. So many ways to listen to our show each week. And during the offseason, most weeks, we take a look at some of the great games of 2019. In this case, our Game of the Week segment. And we take you to June the 14th, the Indians in Detroit to play the Tigers on a real nice night for baseball, 71 degrees at game time. Indians coming in, still trying to find their good footing. They were a game over the 500 mark at that point at 34 and 33 and trailing the Minnesota Twins by a bunch in the division. The Tigers were well on their way to another miserable year. They actually had gotten off to a good start, but would lose well in excess of 100 games as they were 25-41 and 41 coming in. The pitching matchup featured Adam Pletko for the Indians at 2-1 and one on the season against Ryan Carpenter for the Tigers. He was 1-3. and three. And the big story on this night, by the time it was all said and done, Jake Bowers had a chance to move into the Tribe record book and make some history. As in Indians history, in terms of players who have hit for the cycle, it is very limited in the long, illustrious Indians history that dates back to 1901. The Tribe has only had, heading into this game that we're going to review, eight players hit for the cycle. Most recently, Rajay Davis had done it in July of 2016 at Toronto. So the cycle really, along with no hitters and perfect games, one of the the rarities in the game of baseball. And uh, Jake Bowers, who had an up-and-down season for the Indians, and we'll get to that a little bit later on in this segment, but it was not an easy year for him. But on this night, it all came together. So we'll start early. The Indians started scoring early as in the top half of the second inning Jason Kipnis led things off with a walk then Roberto Perez singled and Jake Bowers began his historic night at the plate his next delivery breaking ball swung on yank to right down the line fair ball base hit that is going to score Kipnis on his way to second is Bowers into third is Perez so he threw him another curveball and hung it and this time Jake Bowers stayed on it and gets an RBI double down the right field line, and the Indians have the early one to nothing lead. Francisco Lindor drove in another run on a fielder's choice to make it 2-0, but in the bottom half of the second inning, Miguel Cabrera and Brandon Dixon went back-to-back for the Tigers. They had solo home runs, and just like that, the game was tied at 2. Another Tiger run in the third put Detroit on top, but just briefly, because in the fourth inning, The Indians' offense exploded. Here's the 0-2. A check swing roller, third base side. This could be trouble. Carpenter grabs it, throws wild high to first. Safe at first base is Bowers. Dixon with a nice play, the first baseman, to prevent that ball from going down the right field line. He made a leaping grab. So that keeps Perez at second. And Bowers has an infield single. Here's Carpenter's 2-0. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Deep right field. Home run, Leonis Martin. A long way into the stands in right. It's a three-run bomb for Martin, and the Indians grab the lead. 5-3 Tribe. Two more runs came around to score on a Tigers error, and then Roberto Perez kept it rolling. Now the 1-2 pitch. Swung on, line to right. That's a base hit, maybe more, and it does. Scoot past Castellanos to the wall. One run is in that Santana. Right behind him is Ramirez. It's a two-run double for Roberto Perez. 
And it's become a huge inning for the Tribe as they now lead it 9-3. Perez is now 3-for-3. That is his fourth double. And he continues to pile up the runs driven in. He now has 27 on the season. So not a whole lot of drama in terms of who would win this game. But Jake Bowers kept things interesting in the fourth inning. Pitch to him. Swung on, line, left center field. That's a gapper. It splits the gap, rolls to the wall. Perez can walk home on his way to second. Heading for third is Bowers. And he's in safely with a triple. And the Indians now lead it 10-3. Jake Bowers with his first triple on the season. Just the fifth for the Tribe. And as much damage as the Indians were doing against Ryan Carpenter, they have unloaded on Buck Farmer here in the fourth inning. In the fifth, it was Jose Ramirez getting in on the fun. The one-two pitch. Swung on, and there's a drive to right center field. Hit a ton, headed to the gap, way back there, and it one-hops the wall. Rounding third, heading for home is Santana. On his way to third is Ramirez. He's in with the Indians' second triple on the night. Ramirez drives in another run, and the Indians now lead it 11-3. Jose Ramirez with his second RBI on the night, now with 23 on the season. And there, right there, is what the Indians are looking for. Just a solid triple up the alley in right center field for Jose Ramirez. His first triple on the season. So the route was on, but with another at-bat coming for Bowers, you really felt history could be in the making. All he needed all was the home run to hit for the cycle. So he came to the plate in the eighth inning. Here's how it went. And Jake Bowers needs a home run to hit for the cycle. He's doubled, singled, tripled, and struck out. First pitch, he swings, hammers one, deep right field, gone, and the cycle for Jake Bowers. He's the first for the Indians in three years to hit for the cycle. Uh, No doubt about it, bombed to right. Rajay Davis, the last Indian to homer, triple, double, and single. And now Jake Bowers caps off his historic night as he has homered, tripled, doubled, singled, struck out, and driven in four. And it's 13-3 Indians as the Indians have done it all here tonight. So the Indians win the game handily, and afterwards we had a chance to catch up with the man of the hour, Indians first baseman D.H. outfielder Jake Bowers. History made tonight only the ninth time in franchise history a cycle. This team's been around since 1901, Jake Bowers. How about that? I don't know, man. I don't know uh, I don't know if it's really sunk in yet, but that's pretty cool. Hey, when you look at it, you've had your moments in the first couple of months of the season trying to get that consistency going. What was the key tonight breaking out? Being simple. Being simple, man. Staying stay in my thought process all left center and not worrying about anything else. And, um, you know, if I could just get that through my head a little bit more, I think maybe the consistency would come. But uh, tonight was a good first step. And you look at that, and uh, sometimes a hitter can feel a good stretch coming. Have you felt that, even though maybe the results haven't been there lately? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, baseball is uh, is a very up and down game. Um, you know, at some point you're gonna break out. You just don't know when, and then sometimes that can get you know more frustrating than anything. But um, you know, to break out like that tonight, uh, get a little confidence. Hopefully, just ride it out for a while. A cycle's pretty rare. Uh, you played this game for a while on the professional level. First time for you, and, and have you had any, a game as good as that? I've never even come close to hitting for the cycle before, man. So um, to have two at-bats with an opportunity to do it, um, that was new for me. So just, uh, like I said, humble. Don't think it's really sunk in yet, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Congratulations. Go in there, share with your teammate. Thank you. Thank you. And the next day, Indians manager Terry Francona and Tom Hamilton talked about the rare feat, just the ninth cycle in franchise history. Well, Tito, one thing we have seen back-to-back -back days for the first time in baseball history, back-to-back, -back, uh, guys hitting for the cycle, Shohei Otani and Jake Bowers. Heck, uh, Travis Hafner hit for the cycle up at the old Metrodome. It, it's one of those things in baseball, I don't think you can ever expect a certain guy to get it. No, and, and there's obviously a little bit of luck involved. But saying that, first of all, getting four hits in a game is rare. And then home run, triple, double, single. I mean, it, it makes, you know, you saw the way our dugout erupted. I mean, it, it's a pretty cool thing. And when it happens when you're winning, it makes it more fun for everybody. Well, it, it's been noted that you and Jake Bowers had met yesterday, and uh, that was obviously before the game. So, who do you meet with today to ensure a, another big night? I wish I could take credit for it. I can't. I was, I was really happy for Jake. I just think sometimes we owe kids things to, you know, maybe sometimes they're tougher conversations, sometimes they're not. But I just know when I was his age, I would have appreciated somebody telling me just just so I knew where I stood. And, and hopefully that helps clear his head a little bit because I saw a guy that was starting to spin a little bit and that doesn't help. And again, we say rare feet and, and sometimes you're, you never really know who it's going to come from because the cycle, you have to mix that power and speed. So you would think it would be a certain type of player, but you look back over the years and certainly a speed player in Rajay Davis, Travis Hafner, Andre Thornton, they've done it and they were power hitters. So it really does run the gamut in terms of uh, the type of player who hits for a cycle, and Jake Bowers put it all together on this night. But an odd year for Bowers as he never really could find the good consistency, and eventually Bowers was sent down to the minor leagues at the end of July to work on his game at AAA Columbus. And when he came back, he talked about what that meant to him and what it meant for his career that time at AAA in a season where he felt he would have been in the major leagues the entire year. Yeah, I mean, um, like we were just talking about, kind of just getting my mind right, getting everything, you know, squared away with who I want to be, how I want to play the game, kind of the correct attitude to approach everything. And so uh, that, coupled with maybe some swing changes or, or adjustments more than changes, um, you know, like you said, it's been going well so far. No one wants to go back to the minor leagues to try and get that done in hindsight beneficial for you because of how you went down there and took care of business yeah yeah definitely I think um, you know you take your few days or whatever to uh, kind of process things maybe be upset about it um, but then once you're there you got to go to work because you at the end of the day you still have one goal and that's uh, that's getting back here and um, not only getting back here but getting back here and being in a place where 
you're putting yourself in a spot to uh, maybe help a team get in the playoffs like I'm trying to do now. So um, obviously the opportunity may may come at not exactly the ideal uh, you know situation. Um, obviously Nathan was having a great year and so um, big time bummer to see him go down but um, hopefully I can step in and, and kind of fill those shoes. So Bowers finished the year with the Indians hitting 226 with a dozen home runs, 43 runs driven in. And uh, sometimes we take a look at, at what makes a player tick, what makes them interesting. And for Bowers, I mean, here's a certainly a player with a lot of skills. Uh, the Indians looking for a blend of, of skill and baseball uh, acumen to, to really come together and make him a complete ball player next season so still some things to work on and when you look at backgrounds for different players Bowers obviously a, an all-star type player in his high school career but in terms of well-rounded individuals he says part of his high school sports career was playing an, an interesting game that you wouldn't necessarily think would mesh with baseball all that well dodgeball at your high school in Southern California was big. How big was it? How involved were you? I mean, it was pretty big. Um, you know, the finals, we'd fill up the gym with all the uh, all the students from the school, so it was pretty awesome. But, uh, yeah, so every year, you know, just um, everyone kind of signs up. You get your team, and it's, uh, it's like a tournament for like a month, almost like a March Madness type deal. You know, you play your play your pool games and then you get seated and then you play your playoff games and a bracket and all that and uh you know the whole school kind of rallies around you play at um you play at lunch at first and then when you get to the final four you go play in the in the gym on like a friday night as if it was you know like a basketball game so um that was a lot of fun uh really good memories you know with with guys that i'm still buddies with today were there any similarities to the movie Dodgeball with Vince Vaughn and then some of the others? Oh, 100%. 100%. The intensity, the intensity was there for sure. Um, it got serious. No, it, it really did get serious. Uh, people really cared about winning. I mean, obviously, you know, you get a bunch of athletes and put them on, you know, whatever it is. You're going to want to compete and you're going to want to win. And so that was just a good example of it. But at the end of the day, it was all, it was all fun. What was tougher? trying to win a dodgeball game in your high school or a major league baseball game oh trying to win a dodgeball game for sure um you know partly because you know you had the refs who were uh the student body like you know presidents and things like that and so if there was a team where they had some friends uh maybe there might have been some rules being bent and uh you know the baseball guys weren't exactly you know the most well liked around school so we were we were fighting the crowd a little bit fighting the referees but um your hands are getting sweaty you know the balls are slippery it's it's intense man it's intense and you're not out there for too long so you got to make it count so there's a little bit more on the background of jake bowers and it'll be interesting to see if he can work himself back into the forefront of regular playing time on next year's team certainly it's not guaranteed for him and uh, after this season with some of the inconsistencies in this game, whew, boy, if you don't take advantage of those opportunities, sometimes they can be fleeting, and we'll see how he responds this offseason and in next year's spring training. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And uh, while the ballpark is empty and quiet, save for uh, some 
minor details in terms of improvements heading into next season. There'll be a lot of activity on February the 1st at the downtown Cleveland Convention Center. Another edition of Tribe Fest comes your way. That's a Saturday afternoon, actually morning and afternoon as it begins with the season ticket holder edition in the morning, general public in the afternoon. Tickets are on sale now. You can pick them up at indians.com slash tribefest. Grab them right there and you'll be all set to go. There's different packages if you want to get in on autographs for uh, players on the current roster, all-stars on the roster, Indians alums. There's an opportunity to get photos taken. So uh, go to indians.com slash tribefest. All the information is right there. And throughout the course of the offseason, we'll hear about more and more of the Indians' current roster players committing. Most recently, Mike Clevenger has uh, confirmed that he will be here as part of Tribe Fest on February the 1st. So grab your tickets now at indians.com slash tribefest. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for all of his help putting together our show each week. Until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll catch you next week right here on Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.